Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Our second scripture lesson comes from the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14 to 16. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he will execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've titled this sermon, Hope, which is a simple title, just one word. But what is hope? How would you define it? What does it look like? What does it mean? It's one of those words that we often use, yet how do you put your finger on hope? Around this time of year, we use the the word hope a lot out of the four Sundays of the season of Advent where we prepare ourselves for Christ's coming. The theme of this Sunday, the first of the four, is hope. And so you heard the, the word in the Advent candle lighting liturgy among other parts of the worship service. In addition to worship today... We often hear, uh, we often speak of hope in the context of Christmas morning. It was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care and hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. That's a a happy and hopeful poem that we read this time of year. And we all know that the children hung their stockings by the chimney because while they didn't know for sure, they hoped that St. Nicholas soon would be there to fill those stockings with something special. They hoped that their Christmas wishes would be filled. They hoped for toys and candy. And their sense of hope is so strong that it borders on certainty. For no child hangs her stocking by the chimney thinking that there's just as much a chance that a a family of mice might move in there as Santa Claus filling those stockings with candy and toys. Santa Claus saves kids from the dreadful outcome. He fulfills the hope of many, and it breaks all our hearts to think of any child to wake up without anything to open on, on Christmas morning. But, but why does that thought break our heart? Is it because we think that toys and, and candy are just that important? No. The thought that breaks our heart is the thought that a child's hope would be dashed. Hope is the belief that tomorrow will be better than today. Hope is the thought that our wishes will come true. Hope is the idea of a dream fulfilled, a wish materialized, and what's more tragic than a child whose hopes have been dashed? That's what Santa Claus is all about. 
Santa Claus brings presents, yes, but in so doing, he preserves the hope of children. On this first Sunday of the season of Advent, this Sunday when we light the Advent candle of hope, I ask you, if Santa is there to preserve the hope of children, who is there to preserve the hope of adults? Who's there to save us from disappointment, cynicism, despair, like hope, despair is another word that we use a lot, but it's hard to define. Author Brene Brown has a new book coming out this week where she defines so many human emotions. She, she claims that most people are only able to label about three of their emotions, happiness, sadness, and anger. While we humans feel about 100 different emotions, including despair, which she defines as the feeling that life is too difficult. Despair is not a fleeting feeling that work is just too hard or that a phone call just too uncomfortable. You might label the emotions we feel in such circumstances as frustration or, or heartache. We get, we get frustrated because we can't put our child's bicycle together or when we must sign up our kids for lacrosse and end up signing up our, ourselves instead to, to share a real-life example of a time I felt very frustrated. Uh, more, more than frustration, despair is the feeling that we just can't make it. And that feeling stays and stays. Think about despair as the feeling that you feel when you have to wait for 45 minutes to get your COVID booster. And as you're waiting, you get a phone call from your daughter, the ICU nurse, who, who tells you that she can't come home for, for Thanksgiving because while she hasn't had a vacation in 18 months, has watched so many of her friends quit, is trying to care for five beds instead of one, and is sick and tired of watching people who, who refuse to be vaccinated die under her care needs to keep on working through the holiday. That's despair, the feeling that life is demanding too much of a person whom we love. Despair is the feeling that you feel when you watch the news and a story about politicians gerrymandering is followed by a report of a local murder, then rising gas prices, and finally a turkey shortage. That's despair, the, the feeling that life is getting worse and worse and not better and better. Despair is the feeling, it's, it's something like how someone once described raising twins. He said, it's not twice as hard as having one child. It's more like you're treading water in the deep end of the pool and suddenly someone hands you two babies. Not every parent raises twins, but every parent has felt like their life was just a little too much and has wondered, how am I going to make it? That's despair. Despair is the feeling that you feel when your country has been invaded, 
Your king has been executed. Your temple has been destroyed. You've been carted off to live in a foreign land. You, you used to be a doctor, but now you peel potatoes, and you keep on trying to get ahead, but you're tired of pushing so hard, and you're thinking of giving up because life is just too much. That's who Jeremiah is writing to. For reality for the group of people the prophet Jeremiah addresses has been and continued to be absolutely heartbreaking. It was so heartbreaking that even a visit from Santa Claus wasn't going to cut it. So the prophet reminds the people about another who is on the way saying... The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. Jeremiah tells us about this righteous branch right after Jerusalem was destroyed right after the, the holy city was cut down like a tree by the Babylonian army who invaded in the year 587 BCE. The invasion was so massive, so complete, that the temple was demolished, the king deposed, and so many of the survivors shipped off to live in exile. According to the prophet, Israel was a tree, a great tree rooted in a place among a people nurtured by God only to be floored by the axe of Babylon. And like that tree, all around him, people who survived were, were still falling by the axe of despair. For how could they look upon the future with hope? After such devastation, all they could imagine was that life would only get worse from here. That having experienced such trauma, more trauma would be on the way. The bad things happened and would surely keep happening. As Babylon invaded Jerusalem, the siege is said to have lasted for 30 months. And when the armies finally left, what remained of the great tree that was once the holy city. Only a stump. Only a stump was left. But as the smoke lifted, as the dust settled, this great prophet saw a shoot spring forth. Now that's hope. For a fresh shoot is enough to convince us that tomorrow may yet be better than today. That old dreams may yet be fulfilled. That ancient promises might be kept. Can you see it? And think about it for just a moment. Think about how inevitable it is, really. We've all uh, uh, probably killed our fair share of houseplants. But have you ever had a plant that just wouldn't die? For some reason in high school, I explored the resiliency of plants for a couple of science fair projects in a row. Um, once I managed to get fescue grass to grow upside down. 
The next year, I attempted to study the negative effects of an oil spill using a couple of pansies, which I watered with with motor oil, only the pansies just wouldn't die. I took pictures of them day after day for my presentation, yet they wouldn't die, so I pulled off the leaves to prove my hypothesis. Only I left the green leaves within the frame of the pictures that I was taking. You could still see the green leaves in the picture I took and glued to my three-paneled poster. And that's how I earned a D on my science fair project. (laughs) Likewise, think for just a moment about English ivy. Consider kudzu. Think about the shoots that spring up from a Bradford pear stump. Hope is not fragile, but inevitable. Hope is as inevitable as the crabgrass in your lawn. It springs forth all around us. Can you see it? And a second scripture lesson, the prophet reminds the Jewish people in exile, telling them that hope springs forth. Yet this is hardly the only reminder or the only time the people needed to be reminded of hope. For thousands of years, the Jewish people have faced such violence. They've been the targets of prejudice. They've been victimized again and again. The temple, which was destroyed by the Babylonians in the time of Jeremiah, was rebuilt and dedicated again more than 2,000 years ago. The celebration of the temple's rededication is called Hanukkah, which begins this evening. So I now ask you, If God can rebuild a temple, can he not rebuild a life? What's rebuilding a relationship compared to bringing home a people from exile? When when candles are lit, do they not break the darkness? Does a shoot from a stump not defy the power of death? For death again and again gives way to life. Despair flees at hope springing forth. Therefore, I say, Our tomorrows will be better than our yesterdays. How do I know it? Look to the stump, new life springing forth. That's hope. And that's Jesus. A new branch growing out from an old stump. A new baby growing inside an unmarried virgin's womb. A hope that grows from nothing but rises to rule the world. This is Christmas. Not the, the dried out tree that's already losing needles in your living room. Not the trash can filled with crumpled paper after the presents have been opened. No, the righteous branch that springs up for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. So, as Christmas approaches... I charge you to be ready to give up on giving up. 
Consider that feeling we all feel, not just frustration, but despair, and look at how death will not have the final word. For the light shines in the darkness, new shoots rise from old stumps, a baby will be born to a virgin. That's our hope. That's our Lord, hope embodied. Persistent life, even amid what appears to be death. This Advent, gather around his light and rejoice. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.